Welcome to this installment of Witness to Yesterday, the podcast of the Champlain Society. My name is Patrice Dutille, and I'm talking from the Allen Slate Radio Institute at Ryerson University in downtown Toronto. 1968 has been remembered particularly this year for the exceptional time that it was. It was, of course, 50 years ago, and events around the globe that year seemed to have outsized impacts. In Vietnam, the decisive Tet Offensive in January 1968 galvanized American opinion against the war effort. It was followed by President Johnson's decision not to seek a second mandate. The hopes of progressives were extinguished with the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. in April and then Bobby Kennedy in June. Students in France marched and protested, ultimately bringing down the government of Charles de Gaulle. Students protested in Mexico, in Poland, in West Germany, in Italy, but it was in Prague where students protested against Soviet oppression in the summer of 1968 that was particularly uh, brutal. In Canada, of course, 1968 was the year of Trudeau mania. But something else happened in Canada in 1968. In Quebec, the Parti Québécois was born on October 11th, 1968. Its creation changed the Quebec political landscape and had a significant impact on Canadian affairs, to say the least. To talk about this event, I'm pleased to reach out to Xavier Gidina, Curator of Political History at the Canadian Museum of History in Gatineau. Dr. Gidina is the author of La droite intellectuelle québécoise et la révolution tranquille and co-editor of Duplessis, son milieu, son époque. We reached him by phone at his office. Xavier, welcome to the mic. Hello, Patrice. It's a pleasure to be with you. Tell me about, tell us about what happened on October 11th. You're going to take us to the Petit Colisée de Québec. What happened? It's a, it's, an, it's a hockey arena that still exists to this day where the most common activity is junior hockey, but it also hosts various types of events, and that was really a momentous one. Uh, it's a three-day uh, conference that was held in, uh, in October, to decide the merger of the um, various movements that will eventually coalesce as the Parti Québécois. So there were two parties that merged together during this, uh, th- that fateful October 68 weekend. Now, Quebecers had been talking about separation for years. What is it that finally allowed this party to crystallize? There is something, yes, crystallize is a good analogy, or jello, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> the various independent movements uh, were a bit like wild, uh, wild fires, you know. Uh, they, they sprung up, and sometimes they withered quite uh, rapidly. Um, there was the uh, right-wing alliance Laurentienne, there was the center-left turning far-left Rassemblement pour l'Indépendance Nationale, mm-hmm. there are various other movements. But uh, the, the element that really uh, made all this uh, mature and uh, stabilized was René Lévesque himself. Oh. R- René Lévesque is known, of course, today as the uh, you know, uh, very famous Parti Québécois leader and longtime Quebec premier. But what is seldom remembered is that he started his political career as a dutiful provincial liberal. Yes. In 1960, he was part of the famous Quiet Revolution team led by Jean Lesage when the Quebec Liberal Party was in power from 1960 to 1966. Of course, Lévesque was part of the Liberal Party and cabinet, 
but he was always leaning or slanting towards the left and towards the most uh, nationalist uh, persuasion. He grew gradually uncomfortable with his uh, liberal uh, uh, comrades, and he famously parted with the party in the fall of 1967, one year prior to creating the Parti Québécois. Did he resign, Xavier? Did he resign with the idea of creating a new party? He, up until the last minute, he hoped to carry the entire Liberal Party with him. Oh. Um, it's hard to, uh, to uh, realize today when uh, things, the, the battle lines are very clearly drawn. For instance, as we, as we speak, the Quebec Liberal Party is staunchy federalist mm -hmm. uh, with no equivocation. Right. And, the, and the Parti Québécois, of course, is the opposite. Right. But in the mid-1960s, things were still very fluid politically in Quebec. Uh, the ruling party between 1966 and 1970 was the Union Nationale, which was federalist, federalist, but, yes. you know, was quite surfing on the independence issue. And so were many Quebecers, including uh, political um, actors involved in the Liberal Party. And uh, Lévesque was one of them, was hoping to steer his party um, away from a traditional autonomist federalist posture posture towards a frankly sovereigntist posture now again 1968 it's worth reminding our listeners daniel johnson is the premier uh, yes. he's the premier as you say the union nationale government uh, Lévesque is not at all happy i mean it's not like he would be joining the union nationale he was never tempted by that kind of a prospect was he no that that wasn't for him he uh, his consideration for for Johnson grew, ironically, after Johnson's untimely death mm. in uh, September 1968 at, at the age of 53. But while Johnson was in power, he was, in Levesque's eyes, too much of a populist, old-fashioned, uh, really 1950s type of a politico. Right. It's only with the passage of time that, uh, oh, Levesque realized, hey, th there was something of the homme d'état, statesman in, yes. in Johnson. But, but you know, you, 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 let's, let's go back, though, to situate us into the 1960s. I mean, Quebec is transformed in the 1960s. Can you, how do you describe this révolution tranquille, this quiet revolution that would bring Lévesque and others to mark uh, an important turning point in Quebec history and creating a, a, a party that aims openly at sovereignty? What happens uh, in the 1960s? A relatively simple question, one that could <laughs> generate <laughs> too, too, too much tapes of answer or too much bookshelves. I'll, I'll try to summarize conveniently, if not perfectly, the Quiet Revolution by three phenomena. The um, expansion of the Quebec state in terms of um, the apparatus of the, of the state uh, machinery and government. That would be item A. Item B would be the decline of the Catholic Church as a, a ruling organization in many fields of society, accompanied by a decline of uh, Catholic faith as a sort of uh, rallying emblem for, more, for most French speakers, Quebecers. And item three would be the uh, emboldened assertion of nationalism 
in Quebec, whether uh, going all the way towards aiming for independence or at least um, settling at midpoint towards such vague or imaginative positions such, such as associated states or distinct uh, society and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lévesque was, was part of this general trend. He was clearly a, a strong advocate of the greater use by the Quebec government of the levers of, uh, of was, the uh, public administration. He was Minister of Energy. Yeah, and uh, he is the one who finalized the purchasing by the state of all the remaining private hydroelectric corporations. Right. This has been a, a accomplishment by the Liberal Party during the Second World War, but it had a huge chunk left unfinished, and Lévesque famously finished that in 1962. But he's not happy. So he he resigns from the Liberal Party, in, as you said, in, in 1967, at the end of 1967, and mm-hmm. launches himself with this idea of creating a new party. Who does he reach out to? Well, he reaches out first to, to his own like a core group of disaffected, disillusioned provincial Quebec liberals right. who essentially were not leftist, but were definitely progressives as far as the um, great liberal tent uh, means, uh, you know, more in favor of state measures, you know, more mm-hmm. lenient or tolerant for moral or social matters and so on, and the more nationalist wing of the liberal party. Uh, however, this he knew would be insufficient to uh, generate a lot of traction and to become a significant force. Uh, so he, he also made common cause with the old group of French-Canadian nationalists uh, turned increasingly Quebec nationalists, the type of people who were sometimes uninvolved politically, sometimes siding with the liberals, sometimes siding with the Union Nationale under Duplessis, sometimes under the Bloc Populaire in mm-hmm. the Second World War, you know, the Le Fond Nationaliste. Right. These people tended to be more conservative on moral, social, and even on administrative matters, but they definitely had the national flame uh, ever burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they, are they, who is their leader? Ah, typ- typically, it's a, it's, a, it's a sensitivity or a movement more than a, an organized group, but in the mid-1960s, there was one such party that was formally organized, and they were called Le Ralliement National. Mm-hmm. Uh, they resulted from the, a previous merger of a right-wing independentist group and the provincial wing of the social credit. Okay. Their leader was Gilles Grégoire, who was a federal MP at the same time and, uh, and who became later vice, founding vice president of the Parti Québécois. Gilles Grégoire is not very well remembered, but no. many members of that party would later occupy, you know, prominent positions in the Quebec government, such and as Mar- Marc-André Bédard in, in Justice. And, 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 then you have, and then you have the Rallyement d'Independence Nationale. The yes. So these are, quote-unquote, the, the troublemakers, <laughs> the, the ugly ducklings, <laughs> a, an indispensable group in terms of youth, élan, energy, dedication to the cause, However, uh, not always very predictable and not always very respectable. 
they tend to be the um, the long-haired type that uh, Merle Haggard would disparage in his songs, you know. <laughs> they were led by Pierre Bourgault, yes. who was really a fiery uh, public speaker, extremely impassioned. Uh, essentially, it, it was a very youthful, very 60-ish type of political party, the R-E-N, or R-I-N. Yes. However, it was not negligible electorally, although it was small. It had garnered 6% of the vote in the 1966 provincial election, the first that they contested. So there was, there was something there important in terms of energy, fire, and dedication. However, Lévesque was a bit ambivalent about associating himself too openly with the R.I.N. Well, uh, but because of the, the disheveled the, aspect. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 this is a contrast of cultures, is it not? I mean, Lévesque, uh, 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 again, he, well, he was a model of, 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 he was also disheveled. I mean, let's, 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 yes, let's no, be blunt. That's true. The, the hair that he did have <laughs> were disheveled. But, I mean, you have a, a coalition uh, of, of, of rather straight-laced liberals who have a strong nationalist bent, as you say. You have uh, the Grégoire group, and then you have the, uh, the Rhin around Pierre Bourgault. These are three very different um, expressions of Quebec's political life coming together, agreeing that René Lévesque is the man to lead them. Uh, but as you say, uh, not entirely convinced of the integrity of their program. That's, that's true. And these three strands, uh, as you know, as a political scientist, politics uh, makes very uh, strange bed, bedfellows. These three, uh, three strands willy-nilly uh, merged together in 1968 because they, the basic of real politics, they understood that they needed one another. Right. For instance, the RIN uh, was nowhere to be seen outside the island of Montreal except in the Setil region in the faraway North Shore. <laughs> and uh, conversely, the RN, Ralliement National, the, most, the more conservative uh, wing, was typically a, you know, a small town and rural constituency, um, you know, to, uh, to stress the point where many members would, be, uh, uh, would belong to the Knights of Columbus or would be uh, aldermen, you know, would be insurance salespeople or mm. notaries or local dentists and so on. And they viewed with alarm, you know, the marijuana smokers who listened to Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and yet, in an election, you know, there, there are more than a hundred ridings in Quebec, so the, you have all, all walks of life. It was a, ma it was a marriage of convenience. Yeah, and uh, sh signs of these uh, sometimes very disparate and strange arrangements have manifested themselves throughout the Parti Québécois 50 years. Indeed, at, yes. At times, there is a tendency that uh, tends to overshadow the others or to threaten the others. It's, they are successful when they sort of manage to transcend their differences, and they are less successful when one or two of the wings go, goes away. Well, because that, I mean, that is certainly the experience of the Parti Québécois. For the last 50 years, it has been subject to all sorts of factionalism, and what yeah. you're telling us is that that factionalism was present at birth, that this is, this is one of the, uh, it's built into the DNA of the, uh, of the Parti Québécois. 
well said. Uh, so there are, of course, this is good fodder for the cartoonist or for the political op- opponents, and, that, and that's fair. And yet, in, in, in equal fairness, it's also a compliment, I think, to the purity of intentions, so to speak, of the Parti Québécois, who, uh, like the NDP, uh, formerly CCF, is not a party of the establishment, right. was based and largely survives uh, because of some principles. Right. And when you have principled people in a room, they tend, they tend to, to bicker and argue about the last comma. Uh, Xavier, I want to come back to René Lévesque. Um, he's been dead now for over 30 years and is now very much a a subject of history. How has his reputation fared? How are historians now looking at René Lévesque? How has the perception of René Lévesque evolved since 1987? There is something interesting. Uh, Those of us who are old enough to recall the last years of Lévesque in power, and if I may insert a parenthesis here, he was a prime minister, Premier of Quebec between 1976 and 1985. So those who recall Lévesque while he was uh, alive will recall that the last five years of his rule were a series of successive failures. Yes. So for um, failure at the referendum he attempted in 1980 on his concept of independence called sovereignty association, Uh, failure a year and a half later in the great um, uh, pan-Canadian constitutional negotiations of late 1981, Mm. and uh, failure in retaining the support of some of his more independentist, uh, die-hard supporters in 1984-1985, when Lévesque took the hand extended by Brian Mulroney. Yes. In favor of renewed federalism. Imperfect, but renewed nevertheless. Yes. So, uh, and the, the, the man was um, severely you know, crushed by these successive defeats, and he had his personal health issues. And when he died in, 18, uh, in 1987, at barely 65, he, he left a sort of a, you know, tender memory, so to speak, of a, of, a, of a very decent or kind man personally, but someone who had essentially dropped the ball there very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about in history? Time has been kinder to him. Yes. Uh, as a sort of uh, uh, the embodiment uh, of a nationalist or independentist leader who, however um, uh, fierce and uh, you know, dedicated and sincere in his quest, uh, never uh, went into trampling the human rights or civil liberties of any of his fellow Quebecers, regardless of their political stand or uh, affiliation or uh, ethnic linguistic provenance mm-hmm. and so on. So that's, that's something to be said. The man, although a nationalist, was personally uh, allergic to, to a petty discrimination. So and that's something that's to be kept in mind, among other things. And, and the writers who've been, I mean, he's been the subject of many biographies, uh, of many studies. The, 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 the Parti Québécois has been studied uh, significantly, um, yeah. and so it, it's uh, and as you say, it's it's been it's been fairly positive. The, 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 the historians seem to look onto the more positive sides of his career. 
Even though, he, as you point out, he was he was the subject of a great deal of recrimina- recriminations uh, in, in, in his, his time. time. In his time. Uh, something that could be said, I think the long process of uh, near-complete rehabilitation started the minute he died, when uh, then-Prime Minister uh, Brian Mulroney ordered all Canadian flags to be flown at half-staff. Mm-hmm. That was in November 1968. To, to what degree do you think was the formation of the Parti Québécois the product of Pierre Trudeau's election as Prime Minister in June of 1968? A, 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 very, a, a very valid question because when Trudeau became Prime Minister uh, first as a successor to, um, to Pearson and then confirmed by the, by the general public in, in June, then the rules were becoming increasingly uh, clear and crisp in the Canadian battlefield, so to speak. There was less and less room for equivocation, middle ground, alternative solutions. There was his conservative opponent, uh, Robert Stanfield, who was a moderate on the constitutional national question issues. The NDP tried to find its way with little success. But with Trudeau, unlike with Lester Pearson, the message was clear. Uh, No more political constitutional concessions to Quebec. Uh, We will will move heaven and earth for the the rights of the French language. But however, uh, on the constitutional file, the buck stops there. And so the challenge was direct to Quebec nationalists that they, yep. for them to, that they had to respond or quite simply disappear. Exactly. Exactly. So the um, the Union Nationale uh, regime, we we know how it evolved after the death of uh, Johnson in September 68, barely two or three months after. Uh, the Union Nationale regime basically um, accepted the new order of things with uh, with not the same type of uh, uh, witty and uh, quick reaction that Johnson would have displayed. The Liberal Party was torn in Quebec mm-hmm. between the nationalist Lévesque wing and the more statu quo uh, conservative wing of Le Sage with Paul Gérin-Lajoie for a long time caught in the middle and finally siding with Le Sage. People had to make their choice. After two or three years of very fertile and imaginative and possible solutions, for instance, uh, at the Confederation of Tomorrow Conference uh, uh, staged by John Robarts and uh, in, in various uh, other venues, such as the uh, Lorando Dunton report on bilingualism and biculturalism, you are right, by the middle of 1968, you know, the choices were starker. And um, I want to ask you a question about documentation. Um, the Champlain Society is about documentation. A lot of the people uh, who were witness to these events have now uh, passed away. We're we're now uh, reminded uh, 
Lise Payette uh, died recently and one of the last soldiers in the uh, René Lévesque army. Uh, that generation has pretty well disappeared. It's very difficult now to get uh, interviews with any of the survivors. Uh, what is do you, What do you think is the status of documentation for historians looking at this period of Quebec's history in 1968? I, I think the documentation, fortunately, is plentiful. Uh, because for, for a few things, well, uh, don't forget that the uh, pickiest uh, militants, mem uh, members of the National Assembly or cabinet ministers, uh, more often than not, tend to come from the liberal professions or for the, from the teaching ranks. A lot of them had PhDs, master's degrees, were lawyers, and so on. Uh, they were really uh, among the scribbling class. So as it happens, the vast majority of former uh, Parti Québécois ministers have written their memoirs, Mm -hmm. or at least have, uh, have, uh, have um, agreed to book-length uh, interviews. And uh, those who haven't written directly their memoirs, such as Bernard Landry, you know, has, uh, has given a, gr a great deal of interviews. So there is a vast written record. Uh, there is also a very valuable project um, maintained and by the National Assembly in Quebec for the last 10-odd years, called Mémoire de député, where, a, where retired members of the Assembly are interviewed for an hour or two hours, and um, their recollections are then available either on DVDs or online. So that's, we, we are really blessed well, to the good. point that I suspect that in, 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 a few, in a few decades there might well be far more studies on the Parti Québécois and its 20 years in powers mm -hmm. than, for instance, on the Liberal Party of Quebec, which in the last 50 years have, has ruled for longer yes. than the Parti Québécois, yes. but was, was the very often constituted of professional men and women who were far less inclined to write. Well, this is good news. This is good yes, news. Yes, I think of on the historical, on the historiographical aspect. I think that there's a great deal we still need to know about the Révolution Tranquille, the Quiet Revolution, and what a transformative moment it was in the history of Quebec and of the history of Canada. Oh, um, I, I agree. There, because uh, as in many things, the more things we unearth, the the more uh, in interesting and perplexing details we discover. Xavier, I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts on this important event of October 1968, the creation of the Parti Québécois. Oh, it has been a pleasure to chat, uh, Patrice. I was speaking with Xavier Gélina, the author of La droite intellectuelle québécoise et la révolution tranquille and co-editor of Duplessis, son milieu, son époque. We reached him at his office at the Canadian Museum of History. You've been listening to Witness to Yesterday, the Champlain Society podcast on Canadian history. Please visit our website at www.champlainsociety.ca where you'll find more about what the Society does, including its publications, its blogs, and more about these podcasts. There's even a place to become a member and sustainer of the Society if you like these conversations with historians about Canadian history. My name is Patrice Dutil. This interview was recorded in the Allen Slate Radio Institute of Ryerson University on October 1st, 2018. It was produced by Naomi Katz and Richard Anstey. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time.